Hey everyone, this is episode six with the Ebenistas. This week, we are going to be discussing a pretty sensitive subject, which we are going to actually make part of a series. We will be talking about toxic family members, but specifically parents. We feel this is a subject that is so hard to navigate because of the idea that family is everything and they're supposed to be your rock, but that isn't so for a lot of people. In my experience, there are a few types of families in this world. One, you've got the perfect white picket fence, right? the semi-broken, but they're, they're still working, family. And then you have the hot fucking mess. And one of the reasons we also wanted to cover this is, Doreen, do you remember we found that uh, group with, um, with Caribbean people talking about toxic parenting in the Caribbean yeah. culture? And like yeah. we just sat there just laughing at it, partially laughing, partially completely understanding. A hundred percent understanding. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that one? and what i thought was fascinating about it was one the idea it was weird to us because one most people don't talk about this especially in caribbean culture or even cultures of people of color they don't label the parenting as toxic as you know our white counterparts may view that as but the other thing was there were just so many people sharing the same type of story over and over and them as adult children and what effect that had on them so we just kind of decided we wanted to cover the entire i guess scope of toxic family members starting with parents and then as some time goes along we're going to add in different types of relationships, parents, in-laws, things like that. But today, we're on parents. So to start us off, we don't want to bring you guys down too much. We like to have fun all the time when we talk, even if the topic is super serious. But we wanted to go through some of the toxic family members or families that we find on TV shows. So Doreen, I know that you have a couple of them. (laughs) I know there's a couple because we watch kind of the same stuff, but definitely... I think there's a couple in here that you definitely know about a lot more than I do. So the first thing that came to mind when I thought about toxic families was married with children, which I... Oh, wait, you know what I forgot? What? We didn't introduce ourselves. Yeah, I was wondering about that, but I didn't want to, (laughs) like, mess up the flow. No, no. See, now we're in our own flow. So this is Jabby, and... This is Doreen. Hi. (laughs) In case you didn't know, right? But. I do what I want, okay? We do our show how we want. All right, so back, Doreen, tell me, who's our first family? So when I think of toxic families, I think about married with children, because even as a child watching this, I was like, this is broken. These people are broken. (laughs) Something is not okay. Like, the husband seemed to hate his wife. She also equally hated him. The kids hated everybody. Like, it was just, it was toxic. We didn't use the word toxic back then, like the way that we do now. But yeah. that's the first first show that pops in my head. Well, I always thought that Peggy still liked him in some kind of way. Like, she was still always looking for his approval, whether it was, like, showing off in front of him or trying to get his attention on something. Like, she still, in some kind of way, loved him for some reason. And it was just really weird. Like, she did this back and forth thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it was toxic. That's what that, that's what that is. <laughs> um, okay, name one. All right. You know what? I'm just going to go with Family Guy because literally, I think I watch this show several times a week. I actually fall asleep to, like, either Family Guy, American Dad, or South Park. And I don't know why. I think it's because I've seen them so many times. I can just drone out to it. But yeah. either way, every time I watch Family Guy, I literally utter to myself, 
I fucking hate Peter. <laughs> like He's awful. He's the worst human being ever. And Lois just puts up with it. Sometimes she has episodes where she's like, I'm not putting up with your shit anymore, Peter. But no. She puts up with it. And it's so weird. And we know I know it's a cartoon, but there are some families that are like this. And you know, we're trying to sh- they're trying to show it in like a comedic way, but yeah, it's wild. Well, I hate the way that they treat Meg. Like, they treat her, like, so poorly. Oh, my God. And they're so awful to her. Like, I'm like, oh, poor girl. She's always Um, trying to find her footing, and they're like, shut up, Meg. (laughs) No one's interested. So, yeah, that's a perfect definition of a toxic family. Okay, so another one is Arrested Development. So You know this much better than I do. I mean, just watch episode one and you will see all of the toxic family trends like right there. Boom, bam, bam. Like all of them. Like the son trying to escape. Like the whole running theme of the show is the son is trying to escape his toxic family. And it's just like, just when he gets out, they pull him back in. It's every season is the same MO, but just a different script. And like watching how that toxic family has affected all of the siblings. (laughs) And so it's, yeah, it's about a toxic family and how they live their lives i love it biggest thing i can remember is has anyone in this family ever seen a chicken <laughs> like <laughs> the sisters like <laughs> caw, caw, caw. and they're like nope nope that's not it that's not a chicken. and so I remember when Buster, which is the youngest out of all of them, who was extremely codependent with his mom, he ends up dating his mom's friend, who's also named Lucille, like his mother. It is extremely disturbing. Oh, my God. Uh, But yeah, so (laughs) toxic family, arrested development. He's got mommy issues. Um, So (laughs) I think the big one I think would be fun. Well, not big, I guess, but I mean, it depends on your audience, right? Empire is like the hot fucking mess. That's my guilty pleasure. I typically don't watch shows like that. And then sometimes I do. Look, okay, fine. I watch shows like that. Don't judge me, okay? <laughs> I like the drama. No. But that is such a crazy story. Um, have you ever seen it, Doreen? Have you watched a couple episodes? Oh, man. I was hoping you were going to ask me that. But yes, I have watched the first season, and I have oh. not tuned in since then. Since I was then, like, this is, okay. this is too much. It's I've too been much. writing it out since the beginning, and it gets more and more ridiculous every time. I mean, for them, their toxicity lies with their father for the most part. Yeah. Um, he's really selfish. When you first meet him, he's super selfish. He, even though he has children um, and a wife that he quote unquote cares about, like he lets his wife go to jail for 15 years for him. Mm-hmm. And like, it's crap. And then like, they have a son that ends up being gay and the kid knew since he was a child. And there's one scene where they do um, a flashback and he literally takes his son because I think he's walking around in his mom's heels. Yeah, and he put him in a trash can. He put him in the trash. It's wild. Yeah, if that doesn't do some damage. It's wild. It's like this back and forth weird thing where he's trying to be the top person in everything. Not just his family, but his business and everything. And it's so bad that he kind of hinders his children from finding themselves and growing up themselves. It's a really strange show if you're into nonsense go for it (laughs) (laughs) cookie's a hot mess go tarji go (laughs) so i want to mention the show okay i want to mention two shows but the first one is the leftovers it's a show on hbo and it was really good uh it's really different but i me and like uh, my brother we were like obsessed with it but the show centers around a family who has been impacted by people that have just disappeared during like the rapture or whatever. They just literally poof disappear. And the people who are left behind, the leftovers. 
but one of the families, the mom is gone. And so at first you think that she's, you know, she disappeared too, but come to find out she left her family to go be in a cult and yes. the damage that does to her daughter and like her husband and all this stuff. And then even the, the main character, Justin Theroux, he yeah. plays like a police officer and like his dad is a hot mess too. It shows a lot of like toxic family structures and, and how that can impact so many people and yeah. how crazy they go and what they believe in. But the leftovers check it out if you haven't watched it yeah that's a good one i really like that show but i think they did two seasons i wasn't sure what they were going to do after that i have the book i haven't read it yet but we'll see we'll see what's better let's see my favorite dysfunctional family is shameless i love the gallaghers with my whole heart (laughs) start to finish Every single character is a hot mess in their own right. I Hopefully everyone has seen Shameless at this point, right? I think the big issue with all the kids is the fact that they come from Frank. Frank and the dysfunctional wife that yeah. wasn't there was at like, the uh, beginning and then she came the back. The mom is also a piece of work. Yeah. And then try like, to take one of the kids. Yeah. Hell? It's weird. It's really weird. And then like they have like the one, they're a family of white people and they have the one black son because like the wife cheated or something. And it's no. just. Oh no, wait, that's right. Would she have him after? Like no, when they broke that up, was right? Frank's. They did a DNA test. That's Frank's biological son. I guess I don't her, remember that. her mother or her like grandmother slept with a slave owner or you know, like a slave or a black person or something. And then so it was like a recessive gene. And that's how he popped up. She was actually like, it was a whole thing, but they did a whole episode about it. It was some nonsense. That. Yeah, Damn. they said that it was Frank's biological son. It was just a recessive that's gene that popped crazy. up in him. You know what I think is really funny is that now, have you seen the latest season, actually? Okay, I had, I won't ruin it it was too toxic for me. It was just too I much. Was, I was like, well, I was such a big fan of Fiona at the beginning. I was like, oh, she's going to be the one to change everything. And then after a couple uh-uh. seasons, I was like, oh, you are the worst. You are awesome. Fiona's horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, I stopped watching. <laughs> but they're all horrible. And it's just, uh, it's such a good show, though. Um, you know, Frank is an alcoholic, drug user, all these things. Scammer. You know, they, they're poor. The kids basically are fending for themselves and taking care of each other because yep. Frank is always like passed out somewhere, hung over or whatever. But so that's another messed up family. <laughs> well, so I also wanted to mention the show Friends. And I know a lot of people are like, toxic family how but if you rewatch it as an adult knowing what we know and you pay attention to how they treat monica she was really big in her earlier years and they never let it go like they consistently make fun of her her family you know is always saying how she's never gonna get married no matter how much she accomplished they just continuously put her down she's ashamed to be herself tell who her partners are they're always referring to the fact that she used to be big and how she you know she could sit on people and she would eat all this stuff and like they literally put her down and there's even an episode where her husband who she marries later on chandler when they first meet she walks in on him like trash talking her and how huge she is and how unattractive she is and she accidentally cuts off his toe and then they get married later so it only when she's skinny though like and it shows this arc of like how she had to earn that you know and how that cruelty that he displayed basically was her motivation in life and not only that but her parents also idealize her brother and put him on a pedestal like they treat him like well we didn't think he could have kids and so your brother came along so he was just this perfect child and he won all these awards and you were just there and you were just fat and big like the end no one cared about you and so anyway and watching that how their toxic family structure went through and like affected each one of their their relationships like ross was extremely jealous controlling needy uh monica was same thing 
she was overly controlling. She had OCD. She, everything had to be a certain way. So anyway, I know most people are going to be like, girl, it's friends. Like have a seat. But if you watch it again, (laughs) I never liked friends. And then the fact that it didn't even age well makes me hate it even more. I never liked it. And then the other thing that I didn't like, and this is, I've read a couple articles where Friends actually was a ripoff of um, Living Single. Mm-hmm. Living Single was doing so well that whoever the powers that be for TV were like, well, how do we make the same success and make it better? Oh, let's add white people. Yeah. So they literally took it from living instead of let it like encouraging living single and giving it a better you know platform and like space to be what it was which was a, an amazing show i thought so and they were much more functional as friends like they made a lot more sense they had silly things that happened to them but they were real you know like they yeah. weren't i can't think of anything really toxic about them other than them dealing with real world things you know like i know there was certain like there may have been cheating and things like that but it wasn't as bad as Friends. Why? When I watch Living Single now, I understand it. I watch okay. Living Friends now, and I'm like, that's not okay. <laughs> but okay. some people might. So a lot of people argue, and they're like, oh, but that was back then, and social norms. And I'm like, eh, yeah, but you could have also just let Living Single have their day. You know what I mean? But very true. Me. Ooh, let's talk about Game of Thrones. Dun 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 dun. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to give, yeah, I don't want to give out too many spoilers about Game of Thrones. No, no, no. I'm sorry. But we are, (laughs) what, two years after it wrapped? Yeah. The fact that it it ended with an aunt banging her nephew and like, what? Like, that was just... It was Jon Snow, you know nothing. (laughs) I mean, mean, incest from episode one. Just, just, oh my gosh. It was crazy. Yeah, Yeah, it was crazy. We know. If you've seen it, you know. We don't have to explain to you the dysfunction. It's wild and it's fun. And honestly, spoilers or not, I mean, it's been two years since it wrapped. You should have already seen it. So, whoops, yep. you're bad. Um, <laughs> I have one well, more. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put scandal in there. We talk about scandal a couple of times in some oh, of these yeah. episodes, but yes. Olivia and her dad and their super toxic, complicated relationship. I mean, it clearly shows why she's the way that she is. But yeah, I would say that was definitely a toxic relationship right there. Oh, yeah. Literally, the way that he raised her was just for success. And then mm-hmm. when they brought in the mom, that was wild. I didn't yeah. think I could ever meet the mom. I just thought that she was just, I don't know, just a mysterious character. It's like Disney movies, right? Sometimes the mom or yep. dad are not there and they're just mysteriously gone. Well, they said um, she was dead. <laughs> huh? They said she was dead. That was the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, chalked it up to that. But then they showed her and she's just as bad as the dad. Oh, like, yeah. Like, self-serving. And they basically showed their love by making her, like, hardened person. You know, you have to get by. You have to tear people down and do terrible things so you can survive in this world. And she could see Olivia was constantly battling that. So, yep. yeah, their their relationship was whew, not unheard of, which I, I also think so. Like, for a lot of people, there are a lot of parents out there that do that to their kids where they're just like, success means more. Success means more. And then you have these mm-hmm. kids that are just like, oh, my God, like, if I don't become CEO of, like, a million companies, I'm a failure. So, yeah, it, it was... Even though it's a drama show, it still has, you know, realistic expectations. So now that we have talked a little bit about some of those toxic families, I want to jump into the bigger subject matter, what we're here to talk about. So toxic families are any familial structure that has a negative impact on a person through action, words, or repetitive behaviors. 
So today we're going to help you identify if you or someone you know may be a part of a toxic family, even if you're not aware of it or, you know, fine, we're going to give you ways to identify it, overcome it, and if need be, remove them from your lives. So signs of a toxic parent, Jabby, let's get start us off. So there's actually quite a few signs. Sometimes it's, I find that these signs are subtle and then sometimes they're just straight up in your face and super obvious that people will step in and help sometimes. But one of the things is a parent being highly negative and highly, but not just negative, but highly reactively negative. So in other words, toxic parents are emotionally out of control. They tend to dramatize even minor issues and see any possible slight as a reason to become hostile, angry, verbally abusive, or destructive. That falls into the narcissism thing, right? During the Yeah. Typically you'll see this type of behavior in narcissistic parents or parents with mental health issues. They may be bipolar. They may have, you know, a slew of other issues, but that's usually when you see this type of behavior. You know what I think is interesting? I wonder if there's a study out there for parents that don't have these mental health issues, or is it just the fact that they're just not diagnosed with these issues? I think it's just, they're just not diagnosed. I mean, if you're displaying these types of behaviors, then you probably have some sort of mental health issue. That's yeah. probably the root of it. Again, it doesn't excuse it because no, of if course. you're doing this to someone, you should, you know, if you see yourself treating someone poorly, you should get help. But if you are a narcissist, you don't see anything wrong with your behavior. That's you think true. that everything That's you're true. doing is justified. So it's, it's just kind of tricky. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so the other thing is part of the narcissistic thing is you know, they see themselves as better as their children, which is a weird thing, right? Because you're the adult and there's this whole idea that, you know, your adults are your leaders and you should respect them and things like that. But these toxic parents, they truly, truly believe that they are better in every single way than their children. It's almost like they can't control the fact that, I don't know, say your kid just got out of college and they're just trying to like get into a job and, you know, or just, you know, trying to get something going for themselves. And then they just compare themselves to you. And they're like, well, by your age, I was doing this. Da, 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 da. And I'm just better than you. You know, you're, you're not like me, blah, blah, blah. So that can show it, itself in a couple different ways. Sometimes yeah. you can also hear them say stuff like, you know, you must not have gotten my genes because if you did, you would have behaved this way or oh, that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the whole like, if you like are showing like, say you'd make a mistake, you'd be like, you didn't get that from my side of the family. Family. that mm-hmm. has to be from your father's side of the family some people say that not joking <laughs> yep. so cruel but the other thing is lack of empathy so the toxic person or parent is not able to empathize with others instead everything is about them and their needs they fail to see how anything they do could be seen as by others as disruptive harmful or hurtful so again that's the narcissism yep. like you just yep. don't understand that their behavior is disruptive to other people. They don't see that they're hurting people. And more importantly, uh, they don't care. Yeah. And the big thing also is under that is a failure to apologize. They will do something. And even if their child says, hey, you're hurting me, or they're trying to say you're hurting me, the parent will be like, you don't know what you're talking about. If I'm hurting you, then I'm going to show you what I'm doing to you. Like they get like super hostile after that. And it becomes like an even bigger issue instead of just listening to your child. And they may also show have issues like no problem that you as a child have is as bad as what they have experienced or what they've gone through. So let's say you skin your knee, like what the hell are you crying for? You know, they might say stuff like that. Like, you know, when I was your age, I broke my arm and I walked five miles to the doctor and like, I didn't complain (laughs) or shed a freaking tear. Like you have no reason to complain. That's a lack of empathy. Like your child is hurt or, you know, in distress, and you're just like, get out of here, you know? In my day, I had to walk 20 miles. (laughs) 
I mean, so there, you can say it and not be a narcissist. And, yeah. If your kid is just like, I don't want to walk down the street. Can you drive me? And that's when you can be like, in my day, we had to walk like to school and this and that. Like, and that's okay. <laughs> but when you're saying it, like, I don't care about you. Like, your problems yeah. don't mean anything compared to what I've gone through. That is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that we talked about was them being extremely controlling. Um, the most toxic individual, the more they want to control everything and everything in their vicinity. This means overparenting and making unreasonable demands, even on adult children. So mm-hmm. it's not just the unreasonable demands that smaller children may have. I would say an example would be like when parents have to do homework with their kids and their kid truly does not understand something. And it's just like, now they're making an unreasonable demand of you. Like, if you don't get this right, you're going to be like this, or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to you. So it's kind of like unreasonable reasonable, right? Because yeah, I don't, un- I truly don't understand this problem that I'm having with this homework, but you're pressuring me other ways to get it right. And then for adult children, same thing. You know, if you don't come to this, even though it's going to cost you X amount of dollars and blah, blah, blah for this, I'm going to disown you some kind of crap like that. So one of the uh, most popular, th- well, sorry, something that pops into my head whenever I think of that is the movie Mommy Dearest. Yeah. Um, it was a movie about Joan Crawford, who was an actress and the way that she controlled the lives of everybody around her. Wait, and, it mean, was what? A true story? No? Yeah. Well, that was so supposed to be Joan a- Crawford? What? Yes. Did you not know that? No, I thought it was just like a, a script, like a made-up script. No, ma'am. That was what? a story about, yeah, it was about Joan Crawford. And so she was a famous actress and all that back in her day. And it focuses on her relationship with her children, specifically her daughter. She couldn't have children and was extremely frustrated because she had control issues. So She ended up adopting two different children and the way that she disciplined them and treated them and the like, you know, like her daughter would have a birthday party in the movie. Again, I can't say if this is real life because some people have have said that some of this stuff isn't true, but this is what her daughter has said that at her birthday party, she would get all these things. And like, it was this huge big deal and she was allowed to pick one present and everything else had to go to charity. She wasn't allowed to keep anything else. So imagine being a kid at your birthday party, you get hundreds of gifts And you get to open all of them and you can't keep anything but one. So that had like all of that. And then she was extremely like, they said she would hit them with like hangers and like all this other stuff. And so it had a really detrimental effect on her daughter, Christina. And they talk about that even in who she ends up marrying. It was just always there. But Mommy Dearest is one of those movies that just, it makes you really, really think about how one, all these people witnessed this and said nothing, you know, if if it is true. And she just had to go through it. It was just really, it was really tough to watch as a kid. And even now as an adult, I'm just like, yikes. Um, I know my mom, she, um, just joking around one time, I was, I answered to her and this is, I think I was a teenager. I was like, yes, mommy dearest. And she looked at me, she was like, you don't want me to be mommy dearest. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't seen the movie yet. (laughs) I did that to my mom one time and we watched it together. And I was was a little bit of a difficult child. I was a little, uh. Hi. Willful. <laughs> we, were, we would have been great friends growing Ooh, up as yeah. teenagers. <laughs> so my mom was like trying to discipline me or something. She was like, Dory, you need to, I think I like forged her name on like a test that I failed or something. Ooh. And she was yelling at me about it. And I was like, okay, mommy dearest. And I said it like, cause I knew what it Ooh. meant. And she was like, don't you ever call me that. And my mom never really got mad. Like she was just, and I, I saw like the anger in her face. I was like, oh, 
okay. And that's where I crossed the line. Sorry, <laughs> I apologize. It won't happen again. See, when I Never. said it, I was just messing around. Like I was playing and she knew it, but she was like no. playing around with me back. <laughs> but I also was, what What do you mean? I don't want you to be mommy dearest. And yeah, yeah I finally saw the movie and I was like, yo, this lady's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so there are different types of parenting style that can be um, considered toxic. So one is helicopter parenting, which is where you're constantly hovering over your kids, trying to smooth over every little thing. Like if you see them about to like fall off the couch, you run and quickly try to grab them. But like sometimes kids are going to bump their head or bump their knee or whatever. And it's okay. You have to let your kids learn how to do that. And if you're constantly trying to fix things before they even happen, then so example, if every time your kid looks a little hungry or looks at food, you're like, oh my God, let me get you a feast. And your kid's not going to learn how to talk as quickly to ask for food. Sometimes you have to let them get there themselves and it helps them to be self-reliant, helps them make decisions and problem solving. And if you are a helicopter parent and you're constantly hovering over your child and trying to do everything for them, they are never going to learn how to be independent. They're always going to want mommy and daddy to do their laundry and fix their car and do all those things as an adult. And then another style is incubator hothouse parenting. It's pushing your kids into learning earlier than appropriate for their cognitive age and developmental language. So there are a lot of really smart kids out there that are like baby geniuses and all this stuff. But if you're trying to push a kid into learning stuff, like you need to learn Mandarin by the time that you're four, you need to learn six different languages. You need to learn how to do this. You need to learn how to play the piano. That is exactly what that is. Like if your kid isn't there yet, they're not going to be, and you're just putting unnecessary stress on them. When you do that, that push, 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 it causes childhood stress, anxiety, perfectionism, depression, as well as cheating on tests and things like that so that they can please you. Is that the same thing as the tiger moms though? I mean, so tiger moms, so for them, they feel like they are getting the best out of their children based off of what their abilities already are. But I feel like tiger mom, that's exactly what one of the things I feel like those might be incubator parenting. Like you are trying to push your kid to be great, but if they're not good at math and you're trying to get them to learn algebra at six, that's not going to work. So to each his own. And then another one is quick fix band-aid parenting, which is relying on a fast solution to temporarily fix a problem instead of aiming for a real or lasting change. So this would be when a kid is like, hey, what's wrong? And they tell you what's wrong. And you're just like, okay, that's fine. No big deal. You know, like, so if your kid hits another kid and you're just like, oh, it's okay. Kids will be kids. And you walk away, but your kid continuously is hitting other children and you're not addressing that issue. That's a problem. Don't just try to solve it so that it goes away for that instant. If you see that it's something that's going to continue to develop over time, this typically happens with parents who have multiple children. They might be tired, older parents, things like that. I was just thinking, is that kind of like when, so say your kid is bullying another kid and they call mm. the parents in and they're like, hey, this is happening. And they're like, well, my kid already said sorry. Like, what else do you want from me? And they're like, no. Your kid is also have this repetitive issue and you know that you've been here a thousand times that something else has to be done. Like, well, what else do you want from me? Kind of thing. That's what it sounds like to me when parents just, it just doesn't click to them that they need to have a deeper 
conversation or seek outside help for a child that's having these types of issues. These can also be parents that are like, if you just do this, if you just be quiet right now, I'll ah. give you a game. I'll buy you this. I'll do yep. that. You're creating a monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that is quick fix band-aid parenting. That's um, why I thought about that only because I'm a new parent. I thought about that in the way of parents who bribe their kids, the mm-hmm. like what you're saying. And it's just like, well, if you just eat this, I'll give you this. And then the kid's like, no, I don't want to eat that. F you. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, well, if you just eat this one, then this. Or if you just eat these three ones, then, but it's just a quick, and then you're constantly doing that. Yep. What good is that doing for the child? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm on the fence about that. I'm not there quite yet. My kid can't say no yet. I mean, he says it with his (laughs) hands to me. Which it's little things, it's small things, but he's not at the age where he can just outright like just no mom, I hate you, you know? <laughs> Ooh, that day's gonna be rough. Oh my god. <laughs> it's coming On though, that but it's day, he'll know he done <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> He's gonna learn. He's gonna learn. Another it's just interesting. Really- I don't know. Like, there's a balance. There has to be a balance between those things, right? Of yeah. Saying, hey, like if you do this, then we can do this afterwards. And my big thing, I hope I could remember this and you know I don't know what I'll be like in the moment but just be like hey you know if you go ahead and eat dinner you know right now then that means that we can hang out later tonight we can like play with your toys a little bit more before bedtime you know just do that kind of thing but where's the balance you know what I mean like how do you do that how do parents figure that out well you're asking the wrong person um <laughs> as we a have tra- another an older parent help us please send help <laughs> Well, I, I want to say this. So I think we as people, right, we, if you're a parent, you may do this sometimes. Like there is going to be a time where you're going to be like, oh my God, listen, kid, I am on this conference call. I need this job. Here's something. Go away. So like it's going to happen. It's when you start using these parenting styles to consistently deal with your child that it becomes an issue. There's a million textbooks on how to parent properly and how to do this this way. Every child is different. So your parenting style depends on your child and the relationship that you want with them. So I'm not criticizing all parents. I'm just giving you what these articles are sharing on ter- in terms of what can be really toxic parenting styles. So another one, and we all know someone who does this, is buddy parenting, where you place popularity with your child above establishing limit boundaries or saying no. You want to be your child's best friend and you want them to tell you everything. And oh my God, girl, what happened today? Oh my God, you like this boy? Girl, tell me more. Inappropriate. It's me, girl. It's me girl. <laughs> What's her name? Amy Poehler. Yeah. Like, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> yeah. Where you're so focused on trying to maintain your youth that you forget that you're a parent. We all know someone who has a parent like this. It's important to set rules and boundaries. You can still be friends with your kid to a certain extent. But you can't just be their friend and never be a parent. And don't tell them, no, oh, yeah, you can go to that party. Yeah, you can drink. Oh, you can drink here. You can have sex in the house. You can do this. There are some parents that they're just like, hey, like, we're both in this together. No, (laughs) no, we are not. So on that note of buddy parenting, I wanted to talk about a show called Smothered on TLC where it talks about, and we'll talk about this again later on when we talk about codependency, but it's about, you know, mother and a daughter duo that are way, way, way too close. There was one lady who was mad at her daughter because she told her husband that she was pregnant first 
before she told her mother and her mother found that to be completely unacceptable. And she was just like, how dare you not tell me I gave birth to you? Another lady sleeps in the same bed as her daughter who's like in her 30s, late 20s. And she's not allowed to go on dates without her. All of this, like they are just joined at the hip. They consider themselves best friend. They wear matching outfits. They get their hair cut the same. Anyway, watch it if you have a second. That is toxic parenting right there. I was listening years ago to the radio in the morning on the way to work. I will never forget this. They were talking about parents who are too close to their children. And a woman called in and she was like, me and my mom talk about everything. And they're like, okay, what do you mean? Expand. So they go so far as they talk about sex in detail. Meanwhile, mom is still married to real dad. And they like literally will talk about positions and like all this other stuff. And she's like, yeah, it's like totally healthy. Like we talk about, well, and they're just like, look, we understand having the birds and the bees talk, you know, whatever, but constantly having these detailed conversations about your lives. I was grossed out. (laughs) Boundaries. Never. Boundaries. (laughs) I don't need to talk to to you about positions, like how I made my baby. Nothing. No. No. I was going to talk about it now. No. 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 <laughs> Zip it. Um, there's also accessory parenting, which you kind of touched on earlier, where the parent measures their worth and success from their child's accolades. And that's how they determine their worth as a parent. And so they try to create the perfect quote unquote child. And they call it trophy kid syndrome. A lot of dance moms do this to their children. Like what they couldn't accomplish, they want their child to accomplish. And your child is not an accessory that you carry around like a purse. They have the right to do what they want to do. They have their own dreams, desires. It's not about fulfilling your dreams through them. That is extremely unhealthy. It causes excessive competitiveness amongst parents. And it creates enormous guilt and stress for the children because they feel like they can never measure up. It threatens the child's identity. It creates unhealthy codependency with not just the parent, but with other kids and other people because they don't know how to just be themselves. So they base their personality based off of the people that they're around. Uh, I have two more. Paranoid parenting. That's when you obsessively keep your child safe from physical or psychological harm. So that may be, don't do that. Don't get hurt. Don't go here. You never know what could happen. Are you making sure you're doing this? Are you making sure that you're doing that? Are you doing all this other stuff? They may call obsessively. They may text you constantly check on your social media tell you what you're doing wrong all the time that breeds so much fear into the hearts of these children that they may never fully recover from it and you know want to stay inside want to stay safe never kind of venture out into their own world and then the last one is secondary parenting we hear about this a lot when parents let for example you either let the teachers raise your child and teach them the lessons that they need to learn in life because you're like, well, that's why they're in school. Or if your kid is going through something, you're like, you know what? I'm going to find you a video on bullying and you can watch that. And there you go. There's your answers. That's when you feel like you as a parent don't have to necessarily deal with this. You can find something else that yeah. they can learn from to learn the life lessons that they need to learn. Yeah. So those are some really toxic family styles. The next part with the signs of toxic parenting um, is highly critical. So this toxic parent cannot or will not see the achievements of their children. You talked, you touched on this as well. It doesn't matter how accomplished a child is or who they become as adult. They're constantly putting, putting down people around them while making themselves out to be exceptional, gifted, or talented. So it's kind of like the uh, Monica and her parents. Sometimes it's just, you can never be good enough for those parents. Sometimes your parents, and I I, I know this happens in a lot of cultures where, let's say your family comes 
you know, from another country and, you know, they're busting their ass in, in jobs where they're cleaning something or what is it? It's blue collar, right? When you're yeah, working. blue collar. And then it's like, if you don't become better or become like a, a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, they just put you down because you just could not accomplish what they had hoped for you or something greater than them. Sometimes they come to the country and they're great. You know, they're in politics or something like that. And if you don't get there or even higher, you're nothing to them. It's just constantly being berated. One of the other things is blaming everyone else. The disharmony, disagreements, hostility, and family breakdown caused by the toxic parent is always the fault of someone else. These parents cannot take responsibility for any problems but blame the rest of the family and twist or manipulate how they see these events. So this goes along with the whole thing with parents who do not apologize. Where again, when her kid could say, you're hurting me, like whatever. And they're like, well, that's not my fault. Why do you feel that way? That can't be my problem. That's your problem. You know, like that's something you need to fix for yourself. But it's just like, ultimately, that is something that you you have affected your child in some kind of way. I know there's some families that have never experienced apologies from parents. It's a really strange dynamic because it's like you're always wanting that apology and you're never going to get it. But at the same time, you're always seeking that approval from them. It's, it's something you can't even balance. Also, there is codependency or familial obligation when they use that as a way to manipulate that behavior. So it's like using the family structure and closeness that the family should have to manipulate their child's behavior. Like they'll say things like, you can't leave me alone. What would I do without you? You know, what would your siblings do if you weren't here? You know, you can't possibly go to college so far away. Poor me. They want you to put yourself last in every situation and to constantly be there. Never leave. Never, you know, you're going to get married and leave me all alone. And where they use that guilt to kind of keep you there. And eventually the child doesn't know how to live by themselves. And they're terrified of living by themselves because their parents has always have always been there, you know, helping with them. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like Gypsy Rose. Do you remember that story? It's actually on yeah, yeah. a show called The Act Now. But I remember following it from when it happened, from when um, she was arrested. If you guys have not heard about Gypsy Rose and her mother and their relationship, that is definitely part of this a little bit. Codependency. Um, and then some other issues going on. What is it? Yeah. The Munchausen. Munchausen by proxy. Yes. Yep. And it um, is deep. Yeah. So for me, when I think of that, I think of the movie Grey Gardens. It was Mm. something that I have heard in like Will and Grace and like a lot of the LGBTQ plus community, they refer to this movie a lot because it's actually JFK's, his sister, his aunt, someone in their family, they're Kennedys and it Mm -hmm. was a mother and her daughter. She has other children, but one of the daughters started to experience alopecia as she was an actress and her hair started falling out. Mm -hmm. And so her mother convinced her that she could never be anything, that she could never leave her. So they they got holed up in this big old fancy house and it started to just fall apart because they didn't really have any money to keep it up. So they're living in this dilapidated, dead cats, dead animals. There's only one functional room in the whole house. There's no food. They're hoarders, but it's more than that. Like they are so codependent on each other that they live in this state for like 30 years. And so it got so bad that the county where they live in, where, you know, they were constantly giving them fines and trying to get them to leave. And then finally the Kennedys would step in, give them enough money to fix it up again, but they would end up right back in that same state. But the hoarding wasn't really a known issue at the time. But anyway, Watch Great Gardens, it is extremely dramatic, but it shows codependency and that, that how familial obligations can lead 
to children making decisions that aren't to their benefit in terms of going out and exploring the world and getting their own lives. You also touched on this part. They can also be extremely competitive. And, um, you know, I used to do more. I can beat you. I'm better than, than you. You'll never live up to me. All of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they can also be abusive. You know, they may subject their children to all sorts of stuff. One of those things would be like Munchausen by proxy, which is a way that some toxic parents exert control over their children by faking illnesses to get attention and sympathy from caretakers, family, and friends. This usually involves the parents slowly poisoning their child or creating a fake illness that their child has and then subjecting them to unnecessary treatment, like in that show that you were talking about. Yes. And it happens a lot more and it's been popping up a lot more in movies and TV shows recently, but this has been something that has been going on, I mean, for decades, like, you know, it goes way back. So part of the reason that um, it's just now gaining popularity and being known a little bit more is because a lot of people, again, just as the justice system views mothers with their children and um, whenever there's a custody issue, they typically will lean towards giving the child to the mother. It's because most people can't fathom the mother harming their child in some kind of selfish manner. And so people are just constantly believing that, well, if the mother says this is what's happening, then this is what's happening. You know, there's that there can't be anything wrong. And I mean, I'm telling you, again, if you guys have not seen the Gypsy Rose story, it's wild. Oh. And it, the biggest thing is that they went through so many doctors and so many procedures and it took one doctor amongst all these doctors to finally be like um have any of you other people actually gotten her other medical records have any of you uh, other people actually seen the patterns because every time that um the mom suspected that the medical system would recognize a pattern she would move them somewhere else or say yeah. that like, and then a doctor would be like, Hey, like, where else were you? How can we get your medical records? She would say, Oh, well, you can't get their medical records. I can't remember that doctor. Some people might think that's silly, but obtaining medical records is not an open and shut case. You can't just put someone's name into a system and all of a sudden their whole medical history pops up. That's a HIPAA violation. So well, yes and no. So now they passed a law a couple of years ago making EHR, which is electronic health records, mandatory for anyone, any physician, any office that treats any sort of, you know, any sort of patient. So like, for example, I went to the dentist and Mm -hmm. my dentist was like, oh, I see here that you were prescribed this and this and this and this. And I was like, whoa, like, how did you find that out? Yeah. Like they can see it's all your records are there. Now you can go and sign off on something though. Yeah. It's part of your intake paperwork. All those forms they have you fill out. They usually ask you to, you know, release your records and they can go onto a computer and pull it all up. Yeah. It's to prevent people from doing like fraud by prescription and narcotics yeah. abuse and also Munchausen by proxy and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And it, you still have to sign off on it Correct. for anyone to get your information. But you were telling me about this show. It was that Smothered Competitive? Was that Smothered? Yeah, it was Smothered. So Smothered. That's the one that the girl was sleeping with her mom? What? Like not sleeping like that, but like she slept in the same bed as her mom or something like that. Was that what yeah. you were talking about before? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sorry. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it's not Game of Thrones, I'm sorry. No, in the movie and the book um, will push, pray until something happens, but they also turn into the movie Precious. She actually is forced to sleep with her mother. Her mother would make her go down on her because she was so large and was stuck in the house all day that she, she wouldn't leave and she smelled really bad. So she forced her daughter 
to perform sexual acts on her and then was actually jealous of her daughter because her husband started abusing their daughter at like two months old and she let it happen and was and became jealous of her and then the daughter became pregnant Whew, that move that was one of the first books that made me like boohoo cry wait and, precious right yep that's a movie yeah. but the i watched book is literally worse. watched that once and i put that on my do not watch ever again Man, that was too brutal ever ever again brutal. because the fact of the matter is that that came from actual stories mm-hmm. people experience these things and yeah. i was just like this is too much for me like i can't imagine someone doing that to their child amongst the millions of other things that people can do to their children that mm-hmm. seriously i watched it ended it and i was like delete i am deleting this from my memory like i just asked you i'm like which one what again did you just say precious <laughs> like i'm not doing it i don't want to hear anything yeah. about this movie it's wild so we were also talking about one of the obvious things of toxic parenting is abuse which you know we just talked about with precious but the not so known parts of abuse is where some parents tend to think that abuse ends at physical and sexual abuse and that any other actions and or words that they use with their children could never be deemed as such which is untrue completely untrue how you talk to your child how you dismantle their pride and their very being can be abusive. It's emotional, it's mental. I mean, sometimes for a lot of people, it's the worst part. I've seen stories where people are like, you know, the physical thing, I, for some reason, they could wrap their heads around the physical abuse, but what they couldn't wrap their heads around was the mental and the emotional abuse. It was just such a strong mixture that they couldn't grasp even as adults. So the other part of this is for some parents who don't believe that their actions are abusive, a lot of these parents believe that they're helping their child grow by practicing some of these techniques. They think that's a way of pushing their child into being better in some kind of way or inspiring them in some kind of way. But really what it's doing is just hurting them at the end of the day. It's, it's killing their self-confidence. It's killing who they want to be, who they think they want to be. There's a couple of these. So I found this article, um, this website actually, I think it's a book, but Dr. Susan Forward. Toxic parents overcoming their hurtful legacy and reclaiming your life. Examples of such toxic beliefs are, one, children should respect their parents no matter what. Two, there are only two ways to do things, my way and the wrong way. Three, children should be seen and not heard. Four, it's wrong for children to be mad at their parents. So these are more of the spoken things that people will say I've definitely heard before. There's unspoken rules as well, right? You can't be more successful than your father. Don't be happier than your mother. Don't lead your own life and don't ever stop needing me. These are kind of like generalizations. We're going to move back to cultural differences in parenting and get back to why we decided to choose this topic as a whole. Doreen, I think you're starting us off on cultural differences in parenting, right? Yeah. So different cultural backgrounds um, have different expectations on the level of control or discipline that a parent can have over their children. So in some cultures, kids aren't allowed to do anything, even as an adult, as long as you're a child, you have to live with your parents until maybe they even pick your partner for you, or they, you know, they may have an arranged marriage or they may you may have to live in the same home with them or they're allowed to beat you and do whatever they want to you. And there's really nothing that anyone can do to stop them. Like, and that's culturally, <laughs> that's what's expected 
from each and every parent to treat their children. In some cultures, if a woman is seen as loose or even has an accusation of being unwomanly like, that gives not just her parents, but any of her male siblings the right to beat her or kill her to defend the family honor. In the Western world, we don't practice that. So it's really unfamiliar for a lot of people listening to this, but that's how their cultures are. But more specifically to where we are, Black and Hispanic or any person of color, parenting can be seen pretty differently. I remember me and my friend Tracy, we were working with someone and her son was always with us like at work and he was like never made a peep we never had any issues with him it was really weird that he was at work all the time but like and we're like oh my god like you must be an amazing mom because like your kid is like perfect and she was like yeah she was really proud of it too right she was like yeah I remember one time he tried to throw a temper tantrum when he was like I think she said a year and a half old she's like I beat the crap out of him and I never had an issue with him ever throwing a temper tantrum since that day and I'm like uh, you may have caused some brain damage, lady. But I remember me and my friend looking at each other like, he was a year and a, and you beat his ass. What? And she was like, I beat him so good, he's never thrown a tantrum. He might not be okay, ma'am. And it was the pride that she said it, like, that concerned the both of us. Like, no, no, no. But she, she was laughing about it. Like, it was no big yeah. deal. So I, that no, whole running true. joke is, oof. It is. It's a running joke, and it's 100% true. It is not what they say most jokes are 50% true. That is a big thing with the cultures that embrace not spanking. Cause I'm going to say spanking is like a part of like white culture, mostly European culture, or it's obsolete. Beating is a better word for, I would say black cultures, Hispanic cultures, things like that. Like most people that I've ever spoken to friends, they're like, no man, my mom beat me like like there was no tomorrow. Like she almost killed me. Like she beat me. I remember one time my one of my uncles told me a story about, and I think actually, which is surprising. Hold on. The story he's telling you, I think the person was white actually, but maybe, maybe not. I can't remember. Either way, he told me a story um, when I was probably like 12, 11, where him and his friend had gone out, snuck out in the middle of the night and then they came back. But the his friend's mom knew And she came in the room and beat him with a bat. Yes, let me see your face. She beat him with a bat because she knew what he had done. And that was her discipline to him. I don't know how old they were at the time. I don't know if they were over 18. I don't know what the deal was because I was young when I heard the story. But the fact that that was considered okay is wild to me. That's abuse. Like that, he could have died. No, no, it should fear of death should not be part of you punishing your child. Like, exactly, exactly. No. For me personally, if a parent goes so far and they beat their child so hard that, and when I say beat, I mean, which is really telling of how you and I probably think about spankings. Because we don't say spanking. We say we have got a whooping, like yep. we got beat, like something like that. If you cause a scar, if you cause bleeding, anything like that. Sometimes I think culturally, some of those parents might be like, oh, you know, that just happened, you know, but that's just because I was like passionate or whatever. I was really angry. And it's just like, "Mm, let me explain this to you. Like spanking, you should not be breaking skin. Your child should not be so fearful of you that they fear for their lives or they feel for their body in some kind of way. So it's an ongoing issue because 
I've heard friends, you know, they, you go to Miami, they're like, oh, my friend, my, my mom threw the chincleta, right? That's a big thing that I always heard was like, she'll throw the broom or she'll throw this at me. And she, she hit me in the head with this, or you know, she punched me here. She me. And it's usually sometimes when I heard those stories, it was because of minor things like, oh, you forgot to take out the trash, you know, not that anything else excuses that behavior, but that's what I heard personally. Well, I think that for me, it's the fact that they bring these things up during like family events or with friends and family there. And they're like, oh my God, (laughs) do you remember (laughs) that time that I hit you in the head with that sangleta? Oh my God, that was so funny. Yeah, but you learned, didn't you? You learned, didn't you? (laughs) And it's just, and the, the, the fact that they make it a joke is what bothers me the most because it's like, why are you taking it so personally? It's emotionally manipulative and it robs the child or even as an adult, the right to express their feelings or the fact that they're hurt because your parent did this to you, you know? It's like you're being told basically, no matter what your parent does to you, you have to accept it. You can't question it no matter what. So here's, so I personally don't have children, but I have been around a ton of children and my nieces, my nephew, my cousins, blah, blah, blah. I used to work in a daycare center. I don't believe in beating children, spanking children. I don't. Maybe because I don't have any of my own, right? So I'm definitely not going to do that to anyone else's child. Absolutely yeah. not. I'm a fan of timeout and I'm a fan of having a conversation, talking to them, explaining to them and helping them understand a little bit better. But I think the problem that I have, the reason why I feel so strongly about it is because when you are supposed to be that parent that's supposed to give this child unconditional love, unconditional support you're supposed to be teaching them the right and wrong of life and you beat them so badly you're teaching them that it's okay for someone that says that they love you and care for you to beat you occasionally to prove a point and that opens you up to further abuse later on because you've been taught by the parent that's supposed to love you right that like sometimes i'm gonna beat you sometimes you're gonna you're gonna be hurt sometimes you're gonna be bruised up but I love you. I'm supposed to be, I'm, I'm protecting you because I have a point. You did something wrong. So this is what I do when you do something wrong. Yep. So that's you why brought up I, a great, great point. So that's why I don't believe in it. But anyway, sorry, continue. No, that's a great point. That is actually, I didn't even think about that. Like that is a great point. So in talking about Caribbean parenting, Calibay.net or Calibay Thompson, she discusses, she discusses how stifling children's free and independent thinking with the type of thinking of children should be seen and not heard or do as I say, not as I do. It keeps those children silent. And instead of engaging them in thoughtful, critical conversation, it keeps them from developing thoughtful, critical thinking. Often the first thing people from the Caribbean will do when a child asks a question is, you know, the adults are talking, not right now, go away. Or, you know, ask them to be quiet because I said so is the only answer that you'll get when you ask why. But try to talk with them, not at them. Have a conversation, an open dialogue. But in Caribbean culture, typically we fall back to archaic harmful behaviors just because that's what we know. And that's what's been taught to each generation. This is the only way to raise a child. And if you do things differently, you're a hippie or you're this or whatever. One of those thought processes is don't spare the rod and spoil the child. That is actually biblical in nature and Caribbean cultures tend to be very religious. It's almost like some parents will say, oh, you're being soft on your child or you don't know how to discipline your child if you're not telling them, if you're explaining things to them, it's like, why are you explaining that to them? They should just know that that's your word 
and that's all you need to know. That's law. What your word is, is law. Yeah. And it's just not fair to the child. Yeah, you're an adult. You don't have to explain yourself to them. But they have feelings. They have thoughts. They don't understand. And, and teaching someone to just obey you without question is not great when you really think about the ramifications that that can have on their personality. Um, you don't want a follower, right? You want a, someone who can be a leader when they grow up. And that's not going to work if you have told them, don't ask any questions and just do as you're told. I think one of the things that I always think about is growing up, I remember a lot of people, my family never did this, thank God, but they're like, you have to go pick up, pick out your switch, which is like a tree branch. And they'll be like, you need to go outside, you need to go get it and then bring it to me so that I can beat you with it. Yep. Why? That is like, that's torture. Like It is. And people pass it off as parenting. Because ultimately what they're doing is trying to show that even to protect yourself, I'm not going to allow you to do that because if I tell you to go get the instrument that's going to cause you pain, as your parent, I have that right. And you don't get to question me or say no. But that don't do that, guys. Please don't do that. So the other thing is Caribbean culture. And I think, I mean, this is other types of cultures across the board, really. Not oh, just yeah. Caribbean. A lot of people use religion as a weapon and the status quo as a crutch. They're overzealous and they use this as an enforcement of religious beliefs. Practices that have no relation to trying to build a child's relationship with God, they use it as a way to scaring the child into doing what they would like. So we have all these different types of parenting. But the result of that is depressive symptoms amongst adolescents. For this particular section, we focused on Caribbean societies. This was a, um, a report that was published on September 21st, 2012. So they went over four different parenting styles. One of them was authoritative parenting style. Then you have authoritarian parenting. Another type of parenting is permissive. Permissive for me is almost like Oh my gosh, Johnny, you're running around knocking all that stuff down while you're imagining that these things are like your enemies. Like you're so imaginative. I am so proud of you for expressing yourself so colorfully, but like maybe don't do it next to these people because they're kind of bothering them. Like that's what I consider to be permissive. Like you're almost saying like, good job, you know, like we're doing all this stuff. Like I, I, That's what I think, right? Yeah, like it's almost, it it's neglectful that it is neglectful because you, you're not giving them any rules. And these are the kids that go to school and yeah. they do whatever they want. And they're, they're, the teachers have to like explain to them, like, you cannot do this. But my mom says I can do whatever I want. But my mom <laughs> says I'm amazing. I don't, why do I have to listen to you? I you know, because, my mom says yeah. I'm expressing myself and like, you know, I'm going to be my own person. <laughs> and when you tell me no, it makes me upset. And no, you, yeah, you don't say and no so, at my house. Yeah, that's what I feel like permissive is. Like they're very loving and they love their children, but they don't have a good balance in terms of no, you can't do this. This isn't a good idea. You know, exerting control. Yeah. So specifically about Caribbean identity and Caribbean parenting. Um, for this particular study, they found that authoritarian parenting was the dominant style. So in other words, the parentings that was like, you do as I say, not as I do, beating their children as opposed to like bankings, quote unquote, more aggressive behavior. But these reports highlight the common practices of physical punishment and public humiliation as preferred methods of discipline in Caribbean settings. There was a video, I mean, there was one this year and there's one a couple of years ago. Um, the one a few years ago was a girl was in the Caribbean. I think she was from Trinidad. 
her mom caught her posting like semi-nude like photos of herself online and so her mother recorded her beating her daughter for over eight minutes at first she seemed really upset and sad like i can't believe you did this what were you thinking but after a while it's like it seems like she starts to enjoy it and she starts laughing and this is what you get you better learn your damn lesson i'm tired of this and she just beats her eight minutes and she she recorded it so that she could post it online to publicly shame her daughter for being fast and even one of her other daughters her older daughters was like well this particular girl has always been a problem you know my mom is just trying to keep her from getting pregnant we don't want her to come home with a baby in her belly so it's better for her to get beaten now to teach her a lesson and to make her listen to her mother but a lot of people who watched that video were like no this is just abuse like i get what she did was wrong and maybe she does have a history of acting out but if this is how you continuously discipline her and then you try to publicly shame her and you put that beating online just for that purpose i feel like that's taking it too far the fact that you said acting fast completely triggered me because that is something that is said specifically mm -hmm. amongst women of color yep across the board you know, fast means like, don't be sexually active, don't be this, don't be that. But really what that's saying is just like, you do not own your sexuality, no matter what age you are. It's controlling, again, it's the controlling parenting, where it's just like, you can't explore that part of yourself. I mean, appropriately, you know, you want your child to, to understand those things about themselves at the right age and things like that, when they're ready for that. Women, a lot, and this is probably going into another subject completely, but a lot of women are shamed into being mm -hmm. quote unquote fast women. When men, when they do the same exact thing at the same exact ages, they're just like, oh, they're praised. And they're like, oh boy, you got it in real quick, blah, 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 like all that stuff. Yep. So it's just, it's just weird, that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the gender norms. Like, Guys are praised for getting a girl to give it up, but then girls are, you know, are criticized for giving it up. And it's just like, but these two people have to come together to make that happen. So uh, anyway, but we can talk about all that another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen, guys, Doreen and I, we record typically Sunday or Monday night, and we are exhausted. <laughs> from our work week and you know what we realized about this episode was that this is a two-parter actually when we first started working on this episode if you see the layout of this episode this is probably like a four hour five hour conversation and we shortened it specifically to toxic parenting but we realize right now we are definitely going over our time and we want to make sure we make sure that we take care of each other at the end of the day, Dorian and I, again, we are close friends. We've been friends for a really yeah. long time. We need to make That's sure our homie. homegirl. Doreen. Doreen is on the East Coast. I am on Mountain Time. I want to make sure my girl gets some sleep. I want to make sure I get some sleep, okay? My husband's upstairs waiting for food. <laughs> <laughs> no, my battery is like, mm, fuck your conversation. It's about Fuck. to be over, bitch. So <laughs> <laughs> I end that shit for you. You don't need to talk anything else. But look. We will be back next week. We will continue talking about toxic families, specifically on parenting. If you feel some type of way about this, let us know. Like, we want to talk to you guys. That's how we started this conversation, right? We saw yeah. a field of people just having this similar feelings and emotions about being raised in this type of environment. So, you know, you can share whatever it is you want. We won't talk about it or anything like that. You can email us, ebenisas 
at gmail.com website, whatever you want to do. Again, like we said in our other past episodes, um, we're here to talk to you, lead you in the right direction. But we understand this is a sensitive subject. So we want to continue on that. We want to tell you next episode, how you're going to overcome these issues, how you're going to be better after you've recognized that you may have been part of toxic familial issues. We had talked a lot about recognizing toxic family traits. And and like Jabi said, you know, when we continue this, we're going to continue to talk about some of the other ways to identify it. But more importantly, identifying it is just the first step in the process of healing, right? So once you identify it, you have to figure out what to do with it, process it, and then heal from it. And if you need to, cut off some of these people if they don't need to be there. Family or no family, if they are toxic to you in your life, they got to go or you have to learn how to set boundaries. But we're going to talk about that in depth in part two. So please stay tuned for the next episode of Ebenistas and make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Spotify, listen to the playlist. Like we, we great we create great musical playlists for each episode because we Ooh, both really love did you music. Have playlists this week? Yeah, oh I did some. I did. I did. You did? I did my homework. You can cheat off of me, girl. Listen, uh. these are the things that happen when you're a new podcast. You're just finding your footing. You're just trying to figure out what the hell is happening. What am I doing? So Doreen, thank you so much, Momo, for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, guys. So thank you for listening this week. We are going to continue this, like we said, next week. And yep. um, look, we know it's a serious subject, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. And we love you. And we thank you for joining us for another episode. So peace out, bro. Peace. Holla. <laughs>